Chapter forty two of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The host cometh to the edges of Silverdale. So wore the night, and when the dawn was come, were the two captains afoot, and they went from band to band to see that all was ready, and that all men were astir betimes, and by the time that the sun smote the eastern side of Shieldbroad ruddy, they had broken their fast, and were dight for departure. Then the horns blew up beside the banners, and rejoiced the hearts of men. But by the command of the captains, this was the last time that they should sound, till they blew for onset in Silverdale, because now would they be drawing nigher and nigher to the foemen, and they wotted not, but that wandering bands of them might be hard on the lips of the pass, and might hear the horn's voice, and turn to see what was toward. Forth then went the banners of the wolf, and the men of the vanward fell to threading the rock-maze toward the north, and in two hours' time were clear of the dale under shield-broad. All went in the same order as yesterday, but on this day the sunbeam would bear her hauberk, and had a sword girt to her side, and her heart was high and her speech merry. When they left the dale under shield-broad, the way was easy and wide for a good way, the river flowing betwixt low banks, and the pass being more like a string of little valleys than a mere gap, as it had been on the other side of the dale. But when one-third of the day was past, the way began to narrow on them again, and to rise up little by little, and at last the rock-walls drew close to the river, and when men looked toward the north, they saw no way, and naught but a wall, for the gap of the shivering flood turned now to the east, and the flood came down from the east in many falls, as it were, over a fearful stair, through a gap where there was no path between the cliffs and the water, naught but the boiling flood and its turmoil, so that they who knew not the road wondered what they should do. But folk might lead the banners to where a great buttress of the cliffs thrust itself into the way, coming well nigh down to the water, just at the corner where the river turned eastward, and they got them about it as they might and on the other side thereof, lo, another gap exceeding straight, scarce twenty foot over, wall-sided, rugged beyond measure, going up steeply from the great valley. A little water ran through it, mostly filling up the floor of it from side to side, but it was shallow. This was now the battle-road of the host, and the vanward entered it at once, turning their backs upon the shivering flood. Full, toilsome and dreary was that straight way, Often great stones hung above their heads, bridging the gap and hiding the sky from them, nor was there any path for them, save the stream itself, so that whiles were they wading its waters to the knee or higher, and whiles were they striding from stone to stone amidst the rattle of the waters, and whiles were they stepping warily along the ledges of rock above the deeper pools, and in all wise labouring in overcoming the rugged road amidst the twilight of the gap. Thus they toiled till the afternoon was well worn, and so at last they came to where the rock wall was somewhat broken down on the north side, and great rocks had fallen across the gap, and dammed up the waters, which fell scantily over the dam from stone to stone into a pool at the bottom of it. Up to this breach, then, below the force they scrambled and struggled, for rough indeed was the road for them, and so came they up out of the gap, on to the open hillside, 
a great shoulder of the heath sloping down from the north, and littered over with big stones, borne thither belike by some ice-river of the earlier days. And one great rock was in special as great as the hall of a wealthy goodman, and shaped like to a hall with hipped gables, which same the men of the wolf called house-stone. There, then, the noise and clatter of the vanward rose up on the face of the heath, and men were exceeding joyous that they had come so far without mishap. Therewith came weaponed men out from under the house-stone, and they came toward the men of the vanward, and they were a half-score of the forerunners of the wolf. Therefore folk-might and face of God fell at once into speech with them, and had their tidings. And when they had heard them, they saw naught to hinder the host from going on their road to Silverdale forthright, and there were still three hours of daylight before them. So the vanward of the host tarried not, and the captains left word with the men from under house-stone that the rest of the host should fare on after them speedily, and that they should give this word to each company, as men came up from out the gap. Then they fared speedily up the hillside, and in an hour's wearing had come to the crest thereof, and to where the ground fell steadily toward the north, and hereabout the scattered stones ceased, and on the other side of the crest the heath began to be soft and boggy, and at last so soft, that if they had not been wisely led, they had been bemired oftentimes. At last they came to where the flows that trickled through the mires drew together into a stream, so that men could see it running, and thereon some of the woodlanders cried out joyously that the waters were running north, and then all knew that they were drawing nigh to Silverdale. No man they met on the road, nor did they of shadowy vale look to meet any, because the dusky men were not great hunters for the more part, except it were of men, and especially of women, and moreover these hill-slopes of the mountain necks led no whither, and were utterly waste and dreary, and there was naught to be seen there but snipes and bitterns and wimbrel and plover, and here and there a hill-fox, or the great urn hanging over the heath on his way to the mountain. When sunset came, they were getting clear of the miry ground, and the stream which they had come across amidst of the mires had got clearer and greater, and rattled down between wide stony sides over the heath, and here and there it deepened as it cleft its way through little knolls that rose out of the face of the mountain neck. As the host climbed one of these, and was come to its topmost, it was low enough not to turn the stream, Face of God looked and beheld dark blue mountains rising up far off before him, and higher than these, but away to the east the snowy peaks of the world mountains. Then he called to mind what he had seen from the burg of the runaways, and he took folk might by the arm, and pointed toward those far-off mountains. Yea, said folk might, so it is, war leader. Silverdale lieth between us and yonder blue ridges, and it is far nigher to us than to them. But the sunbeam came close to those twain, and took face of God by the hand, and said, Oh, Goldmane, dost thou see? And he turned about and beheld her, and saw how her cheeks flamed and her eyes glittered, and he said in a low voice, Tomorrow, for mirth or silence, for life or death. But the whole vanward as they came up, stayed to behold the sight of the mountains on the other side of Silverdale, and the banners of the folk hung over their heads, moving but little in the soft air of the evening. So went they on their ways.
The sun sank and dusk came on them as they followed down the stream, and night came and was clear and starlit, though the moon was not yet risen. Now was the ground firm and the grass sweet and flowery, and wind-worn bushes were scattered round about them as they began to go down into the gill that cleft the wall of Silverdale, and the night-wind blew in their faces from the very dale and place of the battle to be. The path down was steep at first, but the gill was wide, and the sides of it no longer straight walls, as in the gaps of their earlier journey, but broken, sloping back, and, as they might see on the morrow, partly of big stones and shaly grit, partly grown over with bushes and rough grass, with here and there a little stream trickling down their sides. As they went, the gill widened out, till at last they were in a valley, going down to the plain, in places steep, in places flat and smooth, the stream ever rattling down the midst of it, and they on the west side thereof. The vale was well grassed, and oak trees and ash and holly and hazel grew here and there about it, and at last the host had before it a wood which filled the vale from side to side, not much tangled with undergrowth, and quite clear of it nigh to the stream-side. Thereinto the vanward entered, but went no long way ere the leaders called a halt, and bade pitch the banners, for that there should they abide the daylight. Thus it had been determined at the council of the Hall of the Wolf, for folk might have said, with an host as great as ours, and mostly of men come into a land of which they know naught at all, an onslaught by night is perilous. Yea, and our foes should be overmuch scattered, and we should have to wander about seeking them. Let us rather abide in the wood of Wooddale till the morning, and then display our banners on the hillside above Silverdale, so that they may gather together to fall upon us. In no case shall they keep us out of the dale. There then they stayed, and as each company came up to the wood, they were marshalled into their due places, so that they might set the battle in array on the edge of Silverdale. End of chapter 42